It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. Hi, welcome to Talking Michigan Transportation, the podcast about all things mobility in the state of Michigan. Once again, I'm Jeff Cranson, and today I'm talking with Mark Guy, who is the MDOT Engineer of Operations and Administrator of our maintenance programs, which basically means he's the guy that oversees uh, statewide operations, meaning how traffic is flowing, uh, what we are doing to ensure the safest and most efficient uh, travel of everybody, whether it's commercial vehicles or passenger vehicles. And uh, his job becomes especially important, and he's always in the spotlight when winter comes around. And Mark has a, a great deal of experience dealing with winter in Michigan and uh, watching various things that have been tried, um, some with great success, some with not such great success, to help with clearing snow and making the roads safe and dry. Uh, Most recently he's been dealing with legislation uh, that would call for using beet juice um, as a additive or sometimes a substitute to salt and other things that we do to keep the roads clear in the winter. So Mark, thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you. So What's the most challenging aspect of your job? Well, uh, we, we provide statewide support to all of our, um, our maintenance garages and to all the entities that we have contracts with, predominantly contract counties. And everybody does things a little different, and we kind of help with bringing out innovations to people and getting statewide consistency. And some people, sometimes in, in getting some, some statewide consistency alignment, uh, people want to do things in their own way, and, and it, which is great. But sometimes we, we have to have a little, you know, reasonable uniformity in things that we know work and make sure that's happening. So, so that's talk probably about, one of the bigger challenges. Talk about contract agencies because right out of the gate, um, assuming no knowledge on the part of the listener, they don't know that all those trucks plowing the roads don't belong to MDOT. Yes, that's right. Well, the way um, we do maintenance in, in Michigan is about 25% of all the maintenance is done by our own employees. And about 75% is done by uh, the contract uh, by contract counties or the road commissions around the state. And we contract with them and they do our maintenance for us and then we reimburse them for the work they do. And that's about efficiency and economies of scale? Like it, yes, do, it is. Why do you need to have trucks out there if they already have trucks out there? Yes, and it's also about, you know, we have some different methods of way we're doing things. And so, um, you know, I, I think it brings us a little more diversity in how work's getting done. And, and sometimes we help each other out too when, when other people can use assistance from each other. No idea is... Uh, above being borrowed, basically. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So um, talk about those relationships then. So if you're based in Lansing and you're kind of the head of statewide maintenance and in each region there's a maintenance coordinator that works with those counties and those local agencies, yeah. where do you have to get involved? Um, well, I typically get involved when we're trying to bring something, a new idea or innovation out, or if there's a contract interpretation disagreement between some of our people outstate and contract <coughs> county, and then we'll, I'll, I'll get involved and we'll talk through it. And, and um, so we kind of provide support when, when sometimes people aren't seeing eye to eye. It's a big state. Yes, it you is. You've got to cover a lot of ground Oh yeah. when you're talking about clearing snow in the western upper peninsula versus uh, you know what it might be in... Oh, yeah. Southern Michigan. That's right. South, southeast Michigan, the average snowfall fall in the winter is around 30 inches, and in the upper portion of the UP by Lake Superior, it's in the neighborhood of 280 200, inches. Yeah, almost 300. Yeah. So that's a huge difference, yes. Well, so 
talk about some of those innovations. What what have you seen in your time? Um, what what is how have things changed and, and for the better? Uh, well, for the better, I, you know, in the past 10 years, we're using uh, wing plows that fold down from the side of the plows to be able to plow more snow. We're using uh, tow plows where um, applicable, which is basically a big trailer being pulled behind a plow that also is a giant plow. And we can deploy that and plow twice as much snow at the same time. Which is all about efficiency for the driver. That's correct. Right. Clearing the roads faster so people can get to where they want to get as, as quickly as possible and as safely as possible. Um, but we've done a lot of other things where we've uh, gotten more efficient with how we use salt. We use uh, computer programs that are taking in da weather data and condition data of the pavement uh, to give us kind of the best amounts of salt we ought to be putting down in any one given circumstance. Uh, we pre-wet salt in many parts of the state. We didn't always used to do that, which means the salt reacts a little quicker. Um, it also stays on the road better, so we, we can put a little bit less down, and that's better for the environment, and that's better for the taxpayer because we save money. So in most simplest terms, by pre-wetting it, it's stickier when it goes down Correct. so it doesn't bounce off the Just pavement. Just imagine dropping a piece of rock salt on the floor at your house uh, or a, a wet piece of rock salt. The wet one will, will stay down a little better. It doesn't make its way into the grass and uh, that's and, correct and, and directly into the water, no, whereas and, it's diluted and, some before it makes its way to the water. Exactly, and actually when we're salting roads, what we're asking that piece of salt to do is to turn into brine and to loosen up that ice that has stuck to the road and so when we pre-wet it it actually acts a little bit quicker and and does the job a little bit faster so and there's a couple good reasons to do this one obviously is because salt is expensive and it makes yes. it go farther but it's also an environmental concern absolutely yep so those are the two main reasons right and, there and those are some of the big questions we get going into each winter uh, right some you know media outlets want to know uh, what are you guys doing to conserve salt um, and it's a it's a really tough thing because all of us, you know, look in the mirror and see an environmentalist. We all like to think that we do what we can, but we also want our commute to be 20 minutes if it's supposed to be 20 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, our attitude really is, we always have we always try to have an open mind to new innovations and what other people are doing. When we look out at other states and we all share ideas, and when somebody comes up with something that's going to make it a little bit more efficient, then we look at it and we try it. So that brings us to beet juice and agri products right now. Specifically, there's a bill in the legislature that's right. calling for the use of more beet juice, which is um, grown in Michigan, especially in the thumb area, pretty pretty heavily. Right. Um, where do you see that going? Well, I mean, first of all, we already do use agricultural byproduct that's corn-based because that's extremely abundant also, um, as is beet byproduct. Um, where I see it going is, uh, you know, wh whatever the legislation is in its final form, we're going to do that. We've had some input in that, and we've worked with the legislators, and um, you know, we're going to we're going to try anything. We have beet juice has been used sparingly in the past, and it's, you know, in the end, people need to understand that it's the salt, and sometimes we use a calcium chloride that those do 99% of the work. The beet juice or a corn agricultural byproduct or some of the other agricultural byproducts are there. What they do is they do lower the the, free, uh, the, um, the temperature that we can put down material a little bit lower so we get a little more flexibility. It helps things stick to the road a little better. We'll and talk about that so. because that's you know one of the biggest complaints that I see on MDOT's Facebook page and that of other road agencies each year, um, especially when you get a, a really cold blast, you know, when we get a... Uh, like a polar vortex you know, right. like we had a few years ago. Um, and when does salt cease to be effective? 
Well, untreated salt around 15 degrees, and then if we, you know, pre wet it and use an agricultural byproduct, we can, you know, squeeze it down another three to five degrees or so. Well, that it kind of depends. That could be a huge three to five degrees, though. Oh, oh, it is, but we do have a lot of good parts of the winter that are below 10 degrees, <clears throat> you know, zero and below zero. And at that point, we salt is just typically completely ineffective. In fact, it can do more harm than good because if it sits there and then and then you do end up getting a little bit of it working and then it refreezes when it dilutes and you can be producing ice on the road and we do not want to do that. So. And, and what does salt do long term to pavement? Well, it's deleterious to pavement. It does damage because it's a... Deleterious. It's a, yeah. yeah. So, so it does damage. It, 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 you know, it, it eats away at steel, <clears throat> it eats away at concrete, and eats away at our cars. And of course, a lot of people know that. You know, that's where... Yeah. So. And just like car makers have figured out uh, things to do to better protect, you know, our, our cars from salt and salt damage. Right. Uh, pavement engineers have figured out better things to do with concrete and asphalt to protect them from salt. That that's correct. Um, although it it's still you know roads as time goes on they deteriorate and cracks open up and then all this material does go down into the cracks in the road. You know, or not not all of it, but some of it does, and it it still works against our pavements. So yeah. it, it, that's why another reason of which we mentioned earlier. Uh, why we have to be as prudent as possible with our use of salt. Yeah, so if, if beet juice, the, this bill is adapted and, and we'll use it um, when appropriate and when, when we can, which is what the language is, is basically saying. It's not saying that yeah. it, nobody's, nobody that's pushing this, uh, including Senator Victory from Ottawa County, thinks that this is the panacea and this is going to completely replace salt. Right. They understand that this has to be one other tool in the toolbox and it's something we want appropriate. But it sounds like you're saying the best thing about the agricultural byproducts is that it allows you to use salt in colder temperatures. Yeah, that, and, and it does um, help prevent a little bit of corrosion. It's a little bit better on the equipment, and it does help it stick to the road a little bit better, too. And what about the environmental impact, though? Well, because, because it helps us stick to the road a little bit better, um, in part, we can use a little <coughs> bit less salt. And then I think from what I've understood is it sort of buffers the, um, the, the effects of, of the sodium and calcium chloride. But when it makes its way into tributaries, it could be harder on aquatic life. That's what some states have some, concluded. I, well, I have heard that from other states and other, um, yeah, from other parts of the country. So yeah, everything has unintended consequences. Well, that's true. <laughs> yes, you'll concede that point. So talk about uh, what we've been doing uh, at MDOT um, to track plows and the various ways you can look on MyDrive and other ways. Well, to yeah, well, we have our, as you just mentioned, our MyDrive website, and you can actually go on that uh, during a winter storm, and we have uh, GPS units that will show where the each of the plow trucks are, so you can see where our trucks are, and in some of them we have cameras also, so you can actually see what's going on. So, you know, a lot of times people wonder where the plow is, and they need to understand that most plows are on routes that take anywhere from <clears throat> one and a half to two hours to go in a complete loop. And so they're only going to be in any one spot one, you know, once every hour and a half to two hours during a snowstorm. But the hope is that eventually um, more and more of the contract agencies might be able to participate in some way you could track their plows too. That's true. That's true. And we are kind of slowly working in that direction as time and money allow. Yeah. Um, what, what do you see as the benefits of that, though? I mean, for some people, it's just curiosity. They just well, I mean, there's some accountability, but it also it helps us a little bit in managing when we can see where people are and our supervisors and our maintenance facilities can kind of get a feel for where people are and if somebody needs to be shifted. Because sometimes our snowstorms, as you know, we get lake effect. It comes harder in one area than another area, and so we can redeploy deploy people around a little bit 
if you know one area is getting hit harder than another and you can see where the plows are and you make decisions on where to put them more efficiently. Yeah, well, this early November storm that we experienced this year was a real man-bites-dog event in that the yep. eastern part of the state got more snow than the western part of the state. Yeah. It's very unusual. Yes, it is. So um, I guess if if we can do more to track the plows, it's like you talk about accountability, but it also um, citizens can see where they've been, where they're going, where they haven't been yet. So right. it's an advantage to you. And if you have the kind of job or whatever your travel is taking you to that day where you have a little flexibility, it's good to know that right. I can find out if this road's already been plowed or not. Yeah, I mean, we're being more transparent, and if somebody really wants to know where that snow plow is, you can look. Yeah. And they so can the, find it, and you'll say, okay, I can kind of see by how it's trickling along on this website uh, how long it'll be back to the area I'm thinking about or yeah. where I am right now. And uh, talk a little bit about, I mean, part of the message every year, and you um, have tried to hammer this home and you know you know these people that are really out there in the field doing the real work um, but you know how important it is I mean they have families they want to make it home too and it's Ab absolutely yeah not only is it their jobs and what they're paid for but they're professionals and they have families and they have friends and they actually take an awful lot of ownership and pride in the work they do because they have a very vested interest in doing it right yeah but you know when you tell people that the plow already slows me down and then we're going to go even slower because we're going to try to conserve salt uh, for other reasons you know that we found can be more efficient in the long run right that slows drivers down even more yeah and that's one of the reasons why we are working toward some of these other ideas and technologies um and so we don't have to slow down yeah so um when we we get beyond winter um you know, first, I guess I should talk a little bit. Another innovation, something Michigan did just in the last couple of years, is go with the green lights mm -hmm. uh, on these on these vehicles on plows, right. and that was borrowed from other states. But yes, it was. But there's science, there's research that shows that people pick that up better than amber lights. Yep, that's correct. Plus, there's a little bit more. We had amber and white lights flashing before, and there's a a green is a darker color that penetrates snow better. There's more contrast between white snow and a darker color. But it's probably too early for us to really say if that's made a, a noticeable difference in any safety kind yeah, of measure. Yeah, I mean, so far it's been just what people notice, and you know, but most people are out there and they go, boy, you can see those green lights. And the other thing, too, is if you see a green light, you know it's a maintenance vehicle out there trying to do maintenance. Yeah. So it identifies it immediately. Trying to clear your road. Right, so you know, well, i got a plow up ahead of me. So when you run into somebody, you know, um, socially, whatever, and they ask what you do, how do you explain your job in just a couple sentences? Hmm. It pretty much just provides statewide support for everything maintenance, from picking up litter to mowing roadsides to picking up uh, dead animal carcasses to patching potholes and to doing winter maintenance, because yeah. winter maintenance is really the biggest thing we do. And that's mostly what you get called on to talk about. That's correct. Like today? Yes. Okay. Well, thanks, Mark, for doing this. You're very welcome. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.